0: We've been given a call, been forgiven, risen, we live in it, give them our all. Rise up from your past, it's holding you down. This moment is all that matters, the future is now. How will the people know if we don't tell them, if we fell them? They're stumbling in the dark, but the light is what we carry in. Yeah. Don't have to wonder your purpose or what you're here for. Reflect his image and show the world what he cares for. And I know it's all right, right, right. You know, and you know, it's your life, life, and We know, and we know, the time's running out. Can't wait around, cause... Yeah, calling all the messengers! Calling all the messengers! Calling all the messengers! Yeah. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Love. Love the energy in the room as always. Praise God that uh, God was faithful to meet us in our time of singing. Uh, Can we give it up to our worship team yet again? I know the hard work they put in. I think sometimes, I've mentioned this before, but I don't think we realize how much work it takes for our worship leaders our musicians and singers to prepare. Um, You know, serving it with worship as in many ministries, but in particular with this one, it's a lot of work just to get the right songs to fit together prayerfully and um, to get the right music, the keys, the chords, the lyrics right. But it's not like they're just singing songs either. Then they've got to get their hearts right. And so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, if it's just put it, singing songs, that's a different game. But to sing songs of worship, um, that's hard work because it's heart work. And we just thank God for our worship team members. Uh, every week. Yeah, we give it up to them. You know, as we're singing there, I just feel impressed just to just to acknowledge sometimes the struggles we go through in the Christian life. Um, I know that there are times where we just we're just struggling, man. We're just struggling on what we're supposed to be doing in life. Um, If you have been raised in the church, uh, the Christian faith is maybe all you remember. And there are times in our lives, especially when we get into high school and then college, where we start wondering, okay, I've been handed this, but is this what I really believe? And I think one of the most, uh, you know, biggest secrets is that those questions resurface as we get older as well. And there are different things that happen in our lives and in our culture to trigger the questions. And I think sometimes we feel shame when we start wondering if our faith is real. And so what happens is we start isolating ourselves more and more and more. And we start drifting away from the body of Christ because of this shame we feel. Because we're thinking, like, what a bad person I am. Everyone else seems to be happy on Sundays, whereas me, I feel like a phony. I'm raising my hands, but it's not real. They're raising their hands, and it is real. But the real truth is a lot of us are faking it as well. Because we're struggling, and we're afraid to talk about it. And I just want you to know it's okay to struggle in your faith. Okay? But it's not okay to isolate yourself. It's not okay to let the enemy push you away. I think about this often in the Garden of Eden. This is not in my notes, but I just feel like I want to share this with you guys because in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what do they do? What's the first thing they do? They hide themselves from who? From God. They hide themselves from the very one they needed the most at that moment. And that's what the enemy would want to do for us. So I just want to say, I'm glad you're here today. Maybe you have been struggling, and you feel every temptation to run away, but you're here today. And I want to affirm you in your struggle and say, hey, it is a battle worth fighting. You are not alone. You don't have to hide. Your God invites you into his presence with your doubt, with your fear, with your shame, and says, come to me. Come to me. I'm going to meet you in this place. Amen to that, fam? Yeah, I just us to remember those things yeah and then one other thing is i just want to challenge you and this fits into our message to not try to just coast through it it's not going to go away the fear the doubt the shame the guilt it won't just go away you've got to take it head on and come to god and say lord help me with this he is a faithful god and he will do it and he will do it through his word this book of the law family shall not depart from your mouth But you shall meditate on it when? Day and night. You must meditate on it day and night. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But it starts with being with him. And that's what we want to do today. You know, as we uh, travel throughout our summers, some of you guys are doing some road trips, Maybe not some long ones, but you're just going to some locations nearby. All of us use some sort of GPS device, don't we? Uh, even if you know how to get to where you're going, we just, it's like second nature now. Because you want to know when those GPS alerts come and Google Maps tells you there's a traffic jam ahead. You, there's, a, there's a quicker route to go. Press this. And for me, I'm like, I'm going to press it in a heartbeat because I want to avoid the traffic. And I started noticing, it starts telling me other things lately, like restaurants. Like, I wasn't asking for a restaurant. But it tells me when there's a restaurant. Or my favorite one is, there's a speed camera ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I could use that, you know. But, you know, sometimes I wish, like, I wish it had told me about that pothole. You know, there's a pothole in 25 feet in the right lane. Like, it, it's not quite that advanced, at least not yet. But but the Google Maps or whatever you use, whether it's Waze or whatever, is helpful because it tells you how to get to where you're going, but it doesn't necessarily tell you about every roadblock along the way, every pitfall. But God, by His Holy Spirit, is actually that guide in our lives, who not only tells us how to get to the ultimate destination, which is in His presence in heaven, but the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, also tells us about the pitfalls along the way, the potholes you oftentimes and I oftentimes run into and I just want us to really cling fast to that say Lord I know there's pitfalls in my life I know there's potholes all around me but thank you God that I don't have to walk through those things in order to learn that your spirit can guide me around these things as I set my eyes on Jesus navigating life is not easy family navigating our world is not easy And in fact, especially when we feel like our world is imploding around us, when it feels like the very things, the Bible, Christianity, that our God stands for are being sniped out one at a time. You ever feel this tension? Okay, I'm the only one here because I feel the tension. I don't know about you guys. When I see injustice in our world and it seemingly goes unaddressed, like I realize our God stands for justice. I feel like it's being sniped out. What do we do, Lord? When God's design for marriage is being sniped out, what do we do, God? God, when when God's design for loving our neighbor, let alone our enemies, is being sniped out, what do we do when the world says, it's okay to hate the people who hate you? That's, That's not what God teaches. What do we do when God's valuing of life, whether it be in the womb or out of the womb, at the border, on our streets, in our schools, God values our lives, and we feel like when we watch the news, it's being sniped out. When God is our creator, is being sniped out. How do, we, how do we navigate this? And if it weren't the cultural pressures, then there's our sin nature that causes us to go after things. There are potholes and pitfalls all around us. God, we need your tracking device, God. We need you to guide our steps. God, when I'm feeling doubt, when I'm feeling fear, when I'm feeling despair because of what's around me, Lord, I need you to lead me. That's, that's what I feel, and I hope that's what you feel when you watch the news, when you walk the neighborhood, when you have conversations with people and you feel like you don't know what to do. What I want you to know is this. First of all, don't compromise when you feel the pressure. Don't get trapped into the foolishness of the pressure. The dumb conversations, the debates online, the things that people are standing for that are counter Don't get caught up in that. But most of all, don't panic. Don't panic when it feels like the world is crumbling. Don't be surprised. Like, like, don't be surprised when your gas light turns on and you don't fill up the tank and your car gets stranded. Like, that doesn't surprise you, right? Don't be surprised in February when the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. Okay? Like, these things just happen. Like, you're not surprised, Right? When summer keeps pressing snooze in Chicago, right? Just another, another eight days, another seven days. In the same way, don't be surprised when the world seems to be squeezing you out of it. This isn't your home, family. This isn't your home. What do we do when our world is crumbling? Well, today we find the answer to that in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to invite you there to join me on page 996 in the Bibles and your chairs in front of you. I know it's a long intro, but we need to understand what we're up against, family. You see, the instructions of the, of the Bible, of God's Word, is intensely practical. And God wants to meet us precisely where we're at. We've been going through a message series in this book of 2 Timothy called Unashamed. Because that's what God wants us to be, unashamed of our faith, unashamed of Jesus, unashamed of one another as a church. And he wants to prepare us in a world that's hostile toward us, how to walk unashamed. Would you uh, stand to your feet? I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to preach the entire chapter today, verses 1 through 17. Uh, Because it's a lengthy passage, I'm not going to be able to touch on every single thing in these verses. But I think it's important for us to see this and what God wants to teach us. This is what his word says. But understand this in verse 1 that in the last days, can you say last days? days. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And there, this crazy list in verse 2 for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, heartless, unpeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's quite a list, huh? Next, Paul says, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambers opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Verse 10, you, however, you, however... You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings, what happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. Let's pray, family. Father, I pray that you would give us all the ears to hear and the eyes to see. God, I pray that you would speak through me with power, with passion and persuasion. Lord. God, I pray that wherever there is a hard heart, you might soften it. God, wherever there are walls, that you would tear them down. Whatever mountains are present, God, would you climb them for the sake of your people here? God, I lift up that man and woman, those who are here in this building right now, who maybe are exploring out where they stand with you, Lord. Maybe they're not yet followers of Jesus. They are walking the fence right now. But I pray that you would draw them in the most compelling way, Lord. That you would woo them with your love, Lord, even today. God, for every one of your children today, every man and woman, every young person who knows you, God, would you unite their faith, strengthen them, Lord, and help them. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated, family. (coughs) People often ask us, when do you think the last days are going to be here? The end of times, the end times. And many people are reading the maps of history, looking at the scriptures, reading the headlines, saying, I wonder when the end times are coming. But you notice there in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul gives us a really interesting uh, perspective of this. He says, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Then he lists a whole list of things that sound a whole like what we're living in right now. And what we find is the Bible teaches us actually that you and I today are in the last days. You may not have understood that to be the case, but we are living in the last days. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, when God sends his Holy Spirit and pours out on all believers, uh, Peter says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit. Well, God has done that, which means that we're in the last days. Or in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, the writer of Hebrews says, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, these last days. These ones, we're in them. Or 2 Peter 3 3 says that scoffers will come in the last days. Guess what? There are scoffers in these days. Family, we live in the last days, and that's why there are so many stinking potholes around you. That's the reason why there is so much tension in our culture. That's why you feel like you don't belong here. Because we're being squeezed out because we're in the last days. Most specifically, the last days were inaugurated by the coming of Jesus, and they will be culminating at the return of Jesus. See, it started when Jesus first came, and it will be completed when Jesus comes again. And yes, he is coming back then. But everything between his first advent and his second advent, or his first coming and his second coming, everything in between is considered the last days in the Bible. And what we see in this passage is, is that things are bad right now, and they're going to get worse, and you should not be surprised by it. This is what Paul is telling Timothy as Paul is getting ready to hand the baton off to this young man. And he gets more specific. He says, understand this. Like, know this is happening. Don't be amazed by the depraved, okay? Don't be shocked when you're mocked. All right, understand this world is turning against you as followers of Jesus. I hope this encourages you in a weird way right now. Because on the one hand, it's like, this is bad news for me, isn't this? And on the one hand, it's like, yeah, yeah, that is. That means people, if you're going to be faithful to Jesus, will increasingly dislike you. But the good news is, God said this would happen. And Jesus, time and time again, told the disciples, look, they persecuted me? What are they going to do to you who follow me? If they hated me... How much more you who follow me? And so we could be encouraged if we're following Jesus that, you know what? We should expect adversity we're experiencing. Well, Paul talks about what things are going to look like in verse 2 and following. Now, this is a lengthy list. I'm going to try to unpack them just briefly. But he's saying, hey, look for these things in our day and age. And I want you to be thinking about how you see these things playing out in the world around you. He says, in the last days, people will be Lovers of self, concerned for me, myself, and I. Not in our culture, right? Lovers of money, that is the bottom line, isn't it? Proud, arrogant, words are seemingly synonymous, but they really reveal the very self-centeredness of our hearts. They are abusive. This word specifically means verbally insulting, even so against God they're disobedient to parents. That's interesting. I mean, that's true, been true throughout history. Well, Paul's saying that's going to increase in the last days, and maybe you and I see that right now. People will be ungrateful. They're going to lack thankfulness. They're going to be unholy, which means they're not a set apart and devoted to God. They're heartless. Their hearts, their hearts are hardened. They're unappeasable, which means there's no way to get peace. There's irreconcilable kind of things in their hearts they are slanderous they don't have self-control because there is no master of god being master over their lives they are brutal the word brutal means savage like like people in our day we should expect them to be wild and untamed this is language used of animals and yet we see this so oftentimes in our own culture They are not loving good. There's no interest in the benefit of others. Treacherous, which means to betray someone without justification. There is recklessness, which means there's no attention to the consequence of our actions. Swollen with conceit, filled up like a balloon. Lovers of pleasure instead of loving God. And having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. This is a pretty dark list. And so what I did is I went online and looked at different news sites to look at headlines this past week. Here's one headline I saw. Parents brawl over a 13-year-old umpire call at a 7-year-old baseball game. Did you guys see that? Yes. Reckless. Another one. Here's what war with Iran could look like. Unappeasable. Politician grabs protester around her neck without self-control. Pregnant woman injured in shooting, heartless. Hacker uses psychological manipulation to scam people, lovers of money. I could go on and on and on of all the headlines we've seen. And you're saying, okay, these are no-brainers, but I want you to know that this means we are in the last days. So don't be surprised by it. Paul goes on to say there to avoid such people, in the end of verse 5. Now, he's not saying, like, look, you got to isolate yourself from the world. We talked about this uh, last week and the weeks before, like, we're not called to be hermits. But what Paul's saying here is that, look, man, as we go through this world, we cannot let these peoples and these kind of worldviews be the things that are influencing us. Like, look, all of us are going to be influenced wherever you're at, what you hang around, what you're listening to, what you're watching, it will influence you. And if it's those things that are consistent with the last day kind of rebellion, know that you're going to be bearing that fruit. You're going to bear that fruit. Carrots have, a, have a, a something in their makeup that the more carrots you eat, the more orange you look. And what you consume then begins to show itself on yourself, on your, on your face. It begins to expose itself visibly. And so if you're going to consume things in your life and things that are opposing to God, it's going to expose itself to you visibly. It's going to be clearly seen. And so Paul's like, avoid this stuff. Don't let it be the influences in your life. Yes, we're in a world that's broken. Yes, people around. Yes, your friends are broken. Love them. Know them. But don't let them influence you. Don't let them influence you. So Paul here is talking about how bad things are. But then in my mind, he lists even a worse kind of sin in our last days. Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Now, what Paul's talking about here in the first century, what would take place is, first of all, many women were not well-educated in the first century. It's just the way culturally things were made up. So because of that, they're more vulnerable from an intellectual standpoint because of their lack of education in, in the different systems. In addition to that, in this culture, those religious leaders had authority, which means those who looked to those leaders were vulnerable based on the authority of those religious leaders. And so what Paul was seeing happening was there would be people who would come to households while the men were off to work to preach and teach different messages to the women that were there. And these women were already vulnerable from that standpoint, but many of the women that they aimed at were even more so vulnerable because of what Paul says here. They were burdened with sins and led astray by their own passions. So there would be false teachers who would look for women who felt a lot of guilt over their failure come to their houses to teach them their own false teaching. And what Paul is saying, like, look, that kind of stuff's going to happen in different ways in these last days, where there's going to be crooked people who are looking for weak people to deceive them. And what's interesting here is this has always been the attack and strategy of Satan. Because even in the Garden of Eden, he goes after Eve when Adam wasn't really around whether it be physically or just emotionally or whatever it might have been. You see, what what Paul is saying here is not that women are weak. Let's make this clear. But in context, what was happening in their culture, these women were extremely vulnerable. And many false teachers took advantage of them. And so as we think about ourselves in these last days, how are you spiritually vulnerable right now? How are you vulnerable? Because when you're vulnerable, you are susceptible to false teaching. And what's worse about these people, they would always bring learning in verse 7, but never allow these women to come to the knowledge of the truth. These people withheld the truth of God that brought salvation to others. In our day, man, false teaching goes everywhere. I, I know I talk about this a lot, but I want us to understand not everything you hear and see online is truth if it's not rooted and anchored in the scriptures. And if something sounds good, Put it to the test. Test what I teach you. You guys know I love you guys. And I would never purposefully, by the grace of God, lead you astray. But you need to test what I teach you. And if a teacher teaches you and says, don't test it, don't trust them. See, God's word is the filter by which we learn and we bring everything through. And we've got to put everything to the test. You see, in our day, the false teachings arrive at our doorsteps in various ways, like Amazon packages. They just show up, sometimes quicker than you realize. The crazy thing about Amazon in particular, the things you want start looking for you. You ever been on a website and you see an ad like, hey, I needed that. How did it know I needed that? All right, that's creepy, isn't it? Sometimes it even feels like we had a conversation and then it showed up on my online searches. Like, I didn't even look for it yet, but I'm seeing the advertisement because I was talking about it? It's kind of creepy. It just shows up. Look, false teaching will look for you. You don't got to go find it. It will show up at your front steps literally on Saturday morning. sometimes. It will show up in your house via computers, via your phone. Via television, you don't always have to look for it for it to find you. And when you are passive and we don't realize we're living in last days and we have our guards down, you are susceptible, you are vulnerable, and you will not see truth. And then what Paul goes on here to say, he makes a comparison to the days of Moses to those magicians who tried to deceive the people of Israel when Moses and Aaron were trying to show God's power. And so Paul says, hey, look, just as those people were exposed then, so also will false teachers be exposed now. So basically, he's laying out this foundation to Timothy, saying, look, Timothy, things are going to go from bad to worse. Don't be surprised about it. But now, what are you going to do about it? So what he does here in verses 10 through 17, he tells Timothy, all right, this is what I, I see here. This is what I want you to take away with. And Brooke family, this is what God wants you to hear today. Look at verse 10 and verse 14. He starts both of those with a similar, uh, similar statement. Verse 10, you, however, and in verse 14, but as for you. So basically in verse 10 through 13, he's saying, this is what I've seen in you. And verses 14 to 17, now this is what I want you to do in light of that. But as for you, this is what the world is doing. This is what the last days are looking like. These are people who are getting things twisted. But as for you, Brooke family. This is what God wants for you. Verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching, Paul is telling Timothy. My conduct, my aim in life. I love this. My teaching, this is, Paul's like, you followed when I taught you the gospel, the sound doctrines of the word of God. You followed my conduct, how I live in integrity, young Timothy. My aim in life, you followed that as well. You know my desire is to glorify God. And Timothy, I see you doing that in the midst of this crooked world. My faith, which is in Christ alone. My patience through every adversity. My love for the church and for unbelievers. Timothy, you are mimicking me, and I love this. Paul's like, my steadfastness. You see how I press on, and you're doing it. I just love how Paul is speaking into this young leader. And sometimes we need people doing that for us, all right? When we're going through temptation, when our world is crumbling around us, sometimes we just need to hear someone speak into our lives, and say, hey, I see you in the fight. I see what you're doing. Hold on. I mean, I want you to think of someone today right now that you need to speak that word into. Maybe it's one of our youth who are facing things you and I who are adults have never faced when we were 13, 14, through 19 years old. And we see what they're going through. Maybe you need to speak into their lives and say, hey, I see you. You're not alone. Applaud them. When they fail and they repent, applaud them. Celebrate the gospel with them. And Paul's here saying, Timothy, I've seen how you do this in the midst of this brokenness. And as we're reading this list, we're tracking with it. I'm like, God, I want that. I want to be following his teaching, his conduct, his aim in life. I love that list, except for the last one on the list. Paul's like, Timothy, you're doing everything that I've done. You're being a great disciple of me. You're following me like Simon says. But there's also a catch here, because look at the last thing on this list. You've also followed in verse 11 my persecutions and sufferings. It's like, God, I'll take everything else, but I don't want that part of this list. But what Paul's like, hey, just as I told you, don't be surprised when the world's going from bad to worse. Don't be surprised when you are opposed. So when you feel pressure at work or at school, when you you feel like your flesh is waging war against you, don't be surprised by that. Do something about it, but don't be surprised by it. Paul says, you followed my persecutions, which I suffered in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Now, I I want us to do something here. I want us to turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 13, okay? Because I want us to see what Timothy heard and saw Paul do. If you have a blue Bible and you don't know where it's at, it's on page 921 is where I want you to meet me. See, Paul was a missionary. He traveled throughout the Roman Empire telling people about Jesus. He met Timothy while on a missionary journey in a city called Lystra or Lystra. That's where Paul meets him. But when Paul is traveling on these journeys, things don't always turn out so good for him. Like when he's in this place called Pisidian Antioch. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 45. This this is what we are to expect, family, in varying degrees. He says in verse 45, Luke writes this, When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So Paul's preaching the good news of Jesus, and people are trying to contradict him. This is some of the persecution he feels, some of the things you feel when people try to revile you for your faith when you're outspoken. Look at verse 50 of Acts 13. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district." Verse 51, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. So Paul's like, hey, you remember hearing what I went through in Antioch? And that's what he went through. And then Paul's like, all right, so he went from Antioch to a place called Iconium. Let me check out a new city and tell people about Jesus. Well, what happens in Iconium? Look at chapter 14, verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And then in verse 5 of chapter 14, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers, to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra. All right, so Paul's like, when I was in Antioch, they rose up against me, and they squeezed me out of that city. So then I went to Iconium. And I went to Iconium on telling people about Jesus, and what they do? They rose up against him, and they squeezed him out of that city, and then he goes to Lystra. You kind of see what's going to happen here probably, right? Lystra, chapter 16, verse 1. Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chapter 14, verse 19. Sorry about that. Acts 14, verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. That's in Lystra. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. Paul said, look, my travels as a Christian in these last days in the Roman Empire didn't work out too good for me. Antioch, I was squeezed out. Iconium, I was squeezed out. Lystra, I was actually stoned. Paul's like, look, Timothy, you know what I've gone through for Jesus. And I'm telling you, don't be surprised when you've got to go through it too. Don't be surprised by it. You turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, Timothy, you see how I've lived, you've modeled it, but do know that with that comes a cost, and sometimes it's opposition and suffering. Paul says back in 2 Timothy 3, 13, 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a pretty absolute statement, fam. You will be persecuted if you want to live a godly life. Look, when we try to live a godly life, we walk to a different beat. We, we, we walk a different path than what people around us might be walking. The godly life, though, is the good life, fam. No matter what opposition comes our way, because we see the goal, and the goal is glory with Jesus. Father, I've seen how you've lived. Now, this is what I want you to do, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you've been doing, following Jesus and what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. He's telling him, look, I want you to continue on the lifestyle that you've been living since you were raised in the church. Your grandma taught you Jesus. Your mama taught you Jesus, he tells in chapter 1. Paul's like, I've taught you Jesus. Brooke family, he's saying, now go and continue to follow Jesus as you've been taught. And as you do so, hold on to this word. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Paul's like, this word is what brings you salvation and is this word that guides your steps. Family, as we walk through this life and as we feel the weight and we feel the pressure, this is what we stand on, the truths of God's word. So what God tells you and I today is, don't be surprised by it. Hold firmly to what God is teaching you. Consume the word of God and let the word of God then consume you. This is what's before us. And this is why we've been pressing hard our DNA discipleship groups. There's just too much going on in our world. There's too much opposition we're facing for us to try to live this life alone. We need to lock arms with brothers, man and sisters with other ladies getting in the scriptures to walk this Christian life. Paul says that the scriptures, all of it is God breathed. The word means that God has caused it to come on out. You see, God doesn't make the Bible the word of God when these words are just written. God inspired the Bible to be written as the word of God. This is God speaking to us. So when you pick this up, You're picking up God's sermon, and he wants to teach you through it. And this word that is God-breathed is useful for our lives always. I mentioned earlier, but it's true that good doctrine, good teaching, is not just informing our minds, but it's intensely practical. And that's why he says useful and it's profitable for teaching us, for reproofing us, for correcting us, and training us in God's way. So if we want to know how to live, we've got to get in this word, fam. And so what we want us to do is take this and for for our DNA groups, get in the book of 2 Timothy, read it, read it, and read it, and let God teach you. Consume God's word and let God's word consume you. This is where we see the pitfalls, the potholes in life, and the spirit of God is saying, hey, I want to teach you, I want to direct you. And he does so through the scripture. So family, would you do this with me? Will we together... Get in God's word and consume it. Knowing that God has given us a way in our day when the world is imploding, squeezing us out. Saying, say, no, I've got a way for you. So let's do this for God's glory. Family, keep on keeping on. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Paul also says that this passage, this book of the Bible, is, makes you wise for salvation. And so the teaching of the Bible is that God has made a way for you to know Jesus personally, to know God personally. And he did that through dying on the cross for our sins. We want you to know Jesus today, to believe that he took your place for you. So as you venture through this life, you don't have to be alone. And if you feel that conviction in your heart and you want to know Jesus, we pray that today will be that day of salvation. We're going to have our prayer team members come on up at this closing song. We'd love for you to come on up, pray with them, and let them know, hey, I want to know Jesus. And whatever burdens God brings to you, family, bring them to God. Bring them to him. He is faithful. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your word that is sharp and cuts through our hearts. And God, as we live in these last days, God, it is hard, Lord, to to feel like we don't belong here. But Lord, I pray that just as you reminded Timothy, you remind us to not panic, to not be surprised, to be encouraged, to fight this good fight. Lord, guide each one of us today, no matter what we're going through. Whatever kind of doubt or fear, whatever kind of despair we feel, Lord, God affirm us in our walk. Help us set our eyes on Jesus and live to bring you glory. I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise to our feet, church family. Let's sing this last song with conviction, knowing that here's where our hope lies, in Jesus alone. Let's sing together.